You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. I'm going to be speaking about how can you can win life's battles. That's the subject for the message this morning, winning life's battles. Now, I think that it is safe to say that every one of us here is either currently engaged in some kind of a battle or you have been in the past, and I can most assuredly say that you will be in the future. Uh, Let me share with you what I believe are some of the battlegrounds that uh, we'll be fighting upon. For instance, there are some people here who are fighting a battle over your past. The past has a hold on you. Past hurts, past successes, past failures, maybe words that you have heard in the past are events which have cut you right to the quick. And you're fighting a battle, trying to rise above your past. There are others here this morning, I'm confident, who are fighting a battle over specific addictions in your life. There are things that you're doing that are debilitating to you. And you know they're harmful. And even as you participate in them, they may be a a physical addiction or it may be a mental addiction, addiction in the mind, an emotional attraction. And you have been locked in a battle maybe for years. And and, uh, part of uh, your experience every time you indulge this addiction is also the guilt and the sense that goes with it that this is wrong, this is destructive, this is hurting me, this is hurting my family, it's hurting my testimony. And you've been fighting a battle over some addiction in your life. This morning we're going to be thinking about how you can win life's battles. It could be this morning that it is your home that is the war zone in your life. Your home is a battleground. And you saying to yourself this morning, if I could just win there, I don't mean get my own way, but if we could just have peace and harmony and a sense of togetherness in our home, it would change things so just remarkably. Things for me would be wonderful if the battle in my home could be won. And so you're fighting a battle in your home. There are others here this morning who are fighting battles with your fears. Things have happened to you, maybe recently, and you are afraid of the future. What does the future hold for me? What's going to happen? What will uh, my friends say? What will the doctors say? How will this turn out with the bank? What's going to happen on the job? And so you have certain fears in your heart that have been placed there by the devil and you're afraid of what's going to happen. I talked with a lady just recently who said, Brother Tom, virtually every one of my family members have died or moved far, far away from me. And she said, now I'm approaching a, an age in life and a stage in life where it's quite obvious that in a matter of a few short years, I'm going to need someone else to take care of me. And she said, I am afraid I'm afraid that one of these days I'm going to find myself in in some home, some place with no one visiting me and no one caring about me. And she said, I've been in the kind of places that I'm telling you about it. And she said, it's not pretty and I don't like it. And so she said, I'm so afraid. Maybe you're fighting a battle with your fears. 
But all of us fight battles. Maybe it is a battle in terms of relationships. Maybe it's a battle at work. Maybe it's a battle with your friends. You're fighting a battle. And so this morning we're going to be thinking together about how you can win life's battles. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I have put two verses, uh, there'll be two verses on the screen for your text. I want to read one of them, I want us to read it together, then I'm going to read the verses in between, and then we will read the second verse together again. Verse 8 of chapter 17, we read here the children of Israel now, continuing our study through the book of Exodus. Uh, the children of Israel are out here in the wilderness, and God has just rescued them. He's given them water out of the rock. And now we read in verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, the Bible tells us that Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did, as Moses had said to him. He fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and Hur. He went to the top of the hill. Now, you remember what happened. As long as Moses held up his hands with the rod of God in them, Joshua would win in his battle with Amalek. But when Moses rested his hands, Joshua, the tide would turn and Joshua's army would begin to be defeated in this battle. And Moses' arms began to be very tired. And so Aaron and Hur put a rock under him and then held up his hands. Now I want you to read aloud this next verse. You have it on the screen there in front of you. Verse 13. Let's read it together. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now let's pray together. Father, I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit will show us this morning how we can win in life's battles. Lord, show us what these battles are about and open our hearts to the truths you would share with us. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us will be changed before we leave this building Lord, move us closer to you. Lord, I pray that many would open their hearts and receive you as their Savior, trusting in you, Lord Jesus, desiring to give themselves to you. And I pray, Lord, that all would receive comfort and encouragement and challenge from your word. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated. Now, it's important for you to keep your Bible open because we're going to look at every one of the verses in the text, which begins with verse 8 and continues down through verse 16 as we think together about how to win at life's battles. So you be thinking about the area or the arena in which you're fighting a battle. Is it an addiction? Is it an emotion? Does it have to do with your family? Is, is it a battle with debt or something debilitating to you? Is it a battle in terms of relationship or fears? Maybe you're battling your own desire just to give up, just to quit. Maybe you fought so long in this battle that the hardest thing for you to do is to think about getting up and fighting again on another day. And so we're thinking together this morning about winning life's battles. I want to share four truths with you from this word which we read a few moments ago together. Truth number one, your adversary, this is the devil, your adversary is relentless in his pursuit. He will never give up. As long as you live, the devil is never going to give up attempting to get you to be less than what God says you are. Now look at the scripture. It says, then came Amalek. Who is Amalek? 
And who are these troops of his? I think a little Bible history will help us here. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Now you remember that Esau and his brother Jacob were at odds with each other. They were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. Esau had preceded Jacob, his twin brother, in birth by just minutes. And you remember that Esau was the picture of the carnal or the worldly person. You might say, uh, someone said that Jacob sought grace, Esau looked for grass. He was just a, a carnal person. He was a, he was a man, you remember, who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And later on, his brother Jacob stole the blessing from him. And so they were at enmity with each other. There was a time when there was a brief treaty, but his descendants were the sworn enemies of the descendants of Jacob. And of course, all of Israel here now are the descendants of Jacob. The Amalekites, his troops, were people who preyed upon weak and defenseless individuals. Rather than attack on the battle's front, the Amalekites periodically would find the children of Israel and there would be these stragglers in the camp, those who were ill, those who were sick and weakly and defenseless children, and they would prey upon the children. Now, God, you're going to discover, says that the world cannot abide people like that. And so God arranges, as a matter of fact, we're going to read this in just a few moments. God arranges for the Amalekites to be judged and ultimately you hear of the last Amalekite slain by David and never is the name mentioned again. And this is the way God said it would be. But these are the Amalekites. And all of the time that the children of Israel were traveling, the Amalekites were constantly nipping at their heels. They were relentless in their pursuit. And they are a picture of Satan. They are a picture of all that the devil has in mind for you, being relentless in his pursuit. There's never a time when the devil gives up. There's never a time when you can say, well, I can rest. I don't have to worry about Satan tempting me in any way again. There's never a time when you can say that. In fact, that's the reason that Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that we are to be sober. He's speaking to Christians now. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, here's something that I hope you will understand, and I hope you'll write this down someplace in your heart, if not in your Bible. You should never, ever seek an alliance with Satan. He has nothing good in store for you. Will you write that down? Never seek an alliance with Satan. He has nothing good in store for you. I want you to know that I have met many people who have felt that Satan was bad but not too bad. And that, you know, you, there's some way that you could, you could really cut a deal with the devil and you could end out on top. I have a friend who says you'll never have arms long enough to box with the devil and win. 
No, you won't, but God does. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But there are any number of people who believe that there's something to be gained by cutting a deal with the devil. One of the most tormented men I have ever met in my life sat in my office one day. This has been probably 18, 20 years ago. He sat in my office and he said, Preacher, he said, my life is a shambles. He said, I am an emotional wreck. He said, my family uh, is dissolving right before my very eyes. And he said, I know exactly when it all began to occur. And he began to tell me how he sought prosperity in a certain area of business. And he said, I prayed for it. He said, I came to church. I asked God to make me prosperous. He said, my motives weren't too good. But he said, after about a month of doing everything that I knew to do in the church to get God on my side, he said, I distinctly remember saying, well, okay, devil, it doesn't look like God's going to help me. So if you will help me and prosper me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Can you imagine saying that? That's what he said. He said it was almost immediate. He said, I, I began to prosper in my work. And he said, I knew the moment the first check came in that I was a goner. He said, I never did enjoy that prosperity. He said, that prosperity, he said, my children have been spoiled. He said, now they have taken it. He said, my wife will hardly speak to me. He said, I can distinctly remember saying, well, devil, it doesn't look like the God Lord is going to bless me. So if you will bless me, he said, I wanted prosperity more than I wanted God. So if you will bless me. Now, you might think, well, that's the devil doing something good. No, the devil had something in mind beyond that. So I want to encourage you to remember this. Your adversary, the devil, is relentless in his pursuit. Now, that doesn't mean that you ought to go around terrorized by the devil. It doesn't mean that you ought to go around saying, well, there's no way I can win. No, we're talking about how to win life's battles. But Amalek here and his armies are a picture of Satan and his relentless pursuit of you. So that you can never come to a time where you say, look, I have built up so many points with God that I can coast in my spiritual life. I don't have to be sober. I don't have to be vigilant. The devil's not as a roaring lion talking about seeking me. He's off paying attention to somebody else. He doesn't even care for me. I'll just sort of coast here and be naturally spiritual. No, you will not. And so if, you need to, if you're going to get one truth in your brain about the battles you're fighting and how to win in these battle, battles, you need to know that your adversary is relentless in his pursuit. Here's the second thing you need to know. Every battle must be waged on two fronts. Every battle must be waged on two fronts. This battle with your addiction. This battle with your debilitating habit. This battle with your fears. This battle with your attitude. This battle in your family this battle at work, this battle in your relationships. All of these battles must be waged on two fronts. Look with me at verse 9. Moses said to Joshua, choose out men, go out, fight with Amalek. Now that's the practical front. He said, here's what you need to do. And he says, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. That's the spiritual front. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him. He fought with Amalek. Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. 
And it came to pass that when Moses held up his hand, that's the spiritual aspect that Israel prevailed. That's the practical aspect. And when he let down his hand, that's the spiritual aspect again, Amalek prevailed. That's what happened practically. So every battle that you and I fight in all these arenas which I have mentioned, every battle we fight is fought on two fronts. There is the practical, which seems the most obvious, here's what I'm to do. And there is the spiritual, which doesn't seem quite as obvious. Now, there are any number of um, support groups to help people work through problems in their lives. And one of the things that we are seeing in this generation, in, in the Christian churches of our nation, is that there, is, there has been a wake-up call and people are beginning to be aware that where they are with God spiritually has a direct impact upon how effectively they live in the practical sense. For instance, you have uh, uh, in our own church, we have a, a, uh, a weight loss class. And uh, the, the whole idea is that this is tied to a spiritual issue as opposed to a physical issue and that it's your relationship with God that affects what you eat and how you think about what you eat and the importance of it. Now, that's just one little small arena there. But now this is true in your life, it's true in your family, it's true with your addiction, it's true in your emotions, it's true in your thought life, it's true in every area. The battles you fight, the struggles you have must be waged on two fronts. The practical, that's what you do. The spiritual, that's what you believe. But now listen, what you do is a result of what you believe. And so here is this truth, write it down someplace, your spiritual position has a decided impact on your practical effectiveness. Where you are with God, your spiritual position, has a decided impact on your practical effectiveness. Now look at this battle that Israel was fighting. Here was Joshua down, the battle, uh, down in the valley with his troops. Here was Moses up on the mountain with his sidekicks, Aaron and Hur. And in Moses' hand, he had the rod of God. He'd used that rod to part the seas. He had used that rod, of course, when he had fought with Pharaoh back in Egypt. He had used that rod to strike the rock, and out of the rock had come sweet water. And so here is this rod, the rod of God that Moses had in his hand. And when Moses lifted up his hands at acknowledgement that God was running the show, at acknowledgement of worship toward God, the Israelites prevailed. But when Moses let down in his hand, he said, look, I'm just going to think about my hands here for a minute and not about God. The Amalekites prevailed. And so where you are spiritually, your spiritual position has a decided impact upon your practical effectiveness. Now, here's what a lot of people do. I, I, let me give you an illustration. A man came to me one time and he said, Brother Tom, he said, uh, he said, I, I, he said I'm in a business. He said, I work on commission. So he said, the amount of work I do has a direct impact on how much I receive. It's not like I'm a salaried employee. He said, the more I sell, the more I receive. And so he said, Brother Tom, you're going to discover there's not going to be anybody who's going to work harder than I. Because he said, you know, in the Bible it says that, that God blesses diligence, and the Bible does say that. But the truth of the matter is, while there are many things to be achieved by diligence, there's more than simple diligence. 
And so this man went to work. And he got up early, and he worked late. And he said, you know, the irony of it is, later on he was telling me about this, he said, the irony of it is, he said initially, he said, boy, he said, the prophets begin to come in. He said, it was incredible. But he said, then it was like I was earning money. You know, the prophet says, uh, prophet Joel says, you earn money to put in a bag, and the bag has holes in it. He said, that's what I was doing. He said, it just seemed like everything I was earning was going away. He said, first this broke down, and then this happened. I had to repair that. And then this happened to my, one of my children. And he said, there were all kinds of problems. He said, I, and he was talking with me. He said, what is the problem? I said, well, tell me about your spiritual life. And he said, well, you understand, preacher, he said, these first two or three years that I'm in this business, I don't have time to have much of a spiritual life because, he said, I've got to give myself unstintingly to this business. I said, then you're getting what you can expect to get. You see, it's not either or. It's not like the battle could be won just by Joshua diligently fighting down in the valley. And it's not like the battle was going to be won just by Moses standing on a hill, raising his hands and nobody fighting. There was the practical front, there was the fight, but there was the spiritual front, there was the worship to God. And if you are going to win in the battles of your life, you must not neglect either of those. The spiritual, that's where you are with God. The practical, that's what you do on the basis of what God has shown you to do. And if you're nowhere with God, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never trusted in him and received his forgiveness and cleansing of sin, or if as a believer in Christ you ignore the Bible, you ignore the disciplines of a daily devotional life, you ignore the disciplines of prayer, then you cannot expect to be that effective out there in the practical sense. So if you're going to win in the battles of life, you must realize every battle is, taught on, is fought on two fronts, the practical as well as the spiritual. And your spiritual position has the greatest impact upon practical effectiveness. Let's look at principle number three. There is incredible power in teamwork. There is incredible power in teamwork. Look with me at verse 12. Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat there on And Aaron and her stayed up his hands. They held, they realized that this was a spiritual battle. And so he said they lifted up their hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady into the going down of the sun. And so Joshua discomfited or beat up Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Teamwork. Incredible power in teamwork. Could I suggest to you that if you're going to win in the battle of your life, that you need to see yourself as a part of, team, of a team and you need to have others on your team. You need to have people praying with you. You need to have people in life to whom you are accountable. You need to have people in your life with whom you can be absolutely transparent, your husband, your wife, a friend out here or friends. The Bible says of the church that 
that one of the purposes of the church is that we are to provoke one another to love and to good works. There's no example out here where a person is just to go it by themselves without having a church family. In fact, the Bible says God sets the solitary. Here's one single person out here, very much alone. It says God sets the solitary in families, and that is a church family. Every week that goes by, I watch the teamwork that takes place in this church. A phone call comes in. Brother Tom, so-and-so is sick. People are there to visit. People are there to take food. People are there to pray, to anoint, to pray that God would bring them to wholeness and healing. People are there to, to walk with them through grief. People are there to encourage them. People are there to visit with them and to share with them. I watch as people have walked through the darkest days of their life this very week. I walk this, watch this, folks walk through dark days in their lives, deep water moments, and I watch the team. Sometimes there were people that, that they had never even met before who stood with them and prayed with them and loved on them and sought to encourage them. There is incredible power in teamwork. And if you intend to win in the battle of your life, in any of these battles, you need to see that, that someone else or others need to be involved in your winning. It may be that somebody can give you good counsel. It may be that your mate, or if you're not married, some friend is a person with whom you can be absolutely transparent and say, look, you walk through my life, any corner of my life, I will hold myself accountable to you. Knowing that you love me, you accept me for what I am, you're in the pilgrimage along with me. Incredible power in teamwork. Now, here's the truth of teamwork. Who was, who was most important in this? Was it Joshua? Well, yes, but Joshua's winning or losing depended upon Moses. Was it Moses holding up his hands? Yes, that's true, but Moses holding up his hands depended upon Aaron and her. The reality is that if the most seemingly insignificant people on this team had not done their job, the battle would have been lost, right? If the Aaron and the Hur had not done what they did, the battle would have been lost. And so here's the key. When each person does all that he can, everyone wins. When each person does all that he can, everyone wins. I was thinking about three and three in our church. It, you know something? The key to that is each person doing everything that he can. When each person does all that he can, everyone wins. The difficulties come when there's somebody on the team who holds back. There's somebody who says, no, I could, but I won't. Then everybody loses. But when each person does all he can, everyone wins. The incredible power of teamwork. And we're going to be looking this evening at how that is the winning combination and how you can develop this teamwork, develop a winning combination. Now, there's one more thing I want to say this morning. You see it right here in the Scripture. And that is that you need to undertake these battles in your life. Now, where is the arena of your battle? Is it an addiction, a fear, an emotion? Is it a relationship, home, work, just the battle to go on when you feel like giving up? I don't know where the arena of your battles are. But you are to undertake these battles with the assurance that Satan is already judged. Now, I want you to see what this means. You need to undertake these battles with the assurance 
that Satan is already judged. Let me show you some interesting scripture. This is the commentary which was written after the battle was won. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. Don't just jot it down here in a tablet someplace and lose it. Write this for a memorial in a book. In fact, he says, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. This is the first time we really read about Joshua in the scripture, being the commander in chief. He says, rehearse this in the ears of Joshua. I want Joshua to know this. For here's, what, here's the truth. I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Amalek, he said, is judged. The day is going to come, and it was hundreds, hundreds of years later in the time of David, but the day did come when the name of Amalek was put out under heaven. But he said, I want Joshua, when he fights, to know this. Amalek is judged. It's over. But now notice this. Moses built an altar. He called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, I don't want you to forget that it's God's business. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now the question is this. If you're going to have battle with Amalek from generation to generation, how does that square with God's going to put out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Why didn't God just go ahead and put out the name from bottom leg from under heaven and then it's done, no more battles? Don't you understand what the Christian life is all about? You see, in the Christian life, God is training us to serve as the bride of Christ. This world is training ground. And, and here's what I hope you'll understand. Your daily battles... The things that you are facing this day, your daily battles are God's tool for enforcing his victory over Satan. The battles that you face, the battles that I face, this is a tool of God. This is a way of, that God has of reminding Satan day by day that he's a judged enemy. And God has said one of these days, Satan's not going to go be king of hell. Satan is going to be cast into the deepest of hell. And those who refuse Jesus to accept him, they'll be spending there forever in hell. Satan won't be walking around there pompously saying, okay, troops, we're going to have another war against God. No, he's already judged. So what's he doing? He's trying in your lifetime, in my lifetime, to do everything he can to discomfort us, to make us turn away from God, to make us fall short of all that God has for us. So in this battle, God is making us strong. God is bringing us to a point of dependency upon him. God is teaching us how to believe him. God is teaching how to lay hold on his promises. And these battles become God's tools for enforcing his victory over Satan in a day-by-day -day practical sense. See, all these young men out here are going to be playing football. Two-a-days start in a matter of weeks. Why have two-a-days? Why not just show up on game day? Why have scrimmages? How foolish. I mean, isn't that a waste of energy? If you're, if you're going to have a team and you're going to be playing games, why, why get tired before the game starts? Because it's in those battles that you learn how to battle. 
It's in those battles that you discover who you are, what you can do, and what the team can do, and how it all functions together. That's what those battles are teaching. And you're fighting battles. And you say, Lord, if you really love me, you wouldn't let me go through this. Why don't I just snap my fingers and this addiction be over? Why can't I snap my fingers and I'll quit thinking about that once and for all? Why can't I snap my fingers and the debt's gone? Why can't I snap my fingers and just say, well, Lord, my relationships are all right in my home. Why can't I just snap my fingers? Lord, if you really love me, why don't you let me do this? And God is saying, your battles and your coming to me and seeking me and bringing me and my power against the devil is a daily reminder in your life to the devil that I have won, that you are mine, and that he is judged. And you're simply enforcing my judgment on a day-by-day, practical basis, if you will. Now, you may not choose to win in life's battles. You may just say, look, I'm going to cut a deal with the devil. Or you may just say, look, I'd rather just go out here and fight on the practical front and grit my teeth and use my determination and be a self-made man or woman and just show the world that I did it my way. You may choose to do that. You may ignore the incredible team that God has made it possible for you to be a part of. You can just ignore it. And you may decide that uh, you can take the devil on and teach him a thing or two by yourself. But if you do that, you won't know the experience of winning life's battles. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting, believing that in these moments you'll bring to this altar those who will say yes to you, those who desire to win in life's battles, those who need prayer, those who want to trust in you, those who want to become a part of this church. Oh, God in heaven, how I pray, trusting that this invitation time will be a time when we give honor and glory to you. And I pray it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Would you remain seated with your head bowed for just a moment? Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Your invitation, that's what this is. It is from the Lord. I'm just using my voice to speak the words. But it's an invitation from the Lord to you this morning. And it could be this morning that you are a person who say, you know where I battle? I don't know for sure if I died, I'm going to heaven. And I want to settle that this morning. Well, you can. I don't know for sure my sins are forgiven. And I know the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, Christ my Lord. How can I trust Jesus as my Savior? I want to encourage you this morning in your heart. Just tell the Lord. He hears your heart. Just tell the Lord, Lord, today I'm trusting you with my life. And I want to encourage you when you stand to come to this altar and find one of these counselors who will be standing all across the front. Take them by the hand and say to one of these counselors, today I'm trusting in Jesus. Today I am trusting in Jesus. And this can be the red-letter day. The biggest battle of your life will have been won. And God will give you the power to win every other battle of your life. If you will come and trust in Jesus, receive him by faith as your Savior, repenting of sin, turning to him, and him alone is your Savior. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them who believe on his name. Will you do that? Will you trust in him this morning? Will you do that? 
I would encourage you. When we stand, I'm going to pray a prayer. When I say amen, the choir is going to begin singing. You just join these others who will be coming. There will be others coming. Our prayer warriors will be coming. Counselors will be coming. I'm going to ask those who've made decisions in earlier services, such as those who are baptized, to come and be seated here to your right where it says seating for new members so that we can introduce you. And I believe that there are some here this morning to whom the Lord is speaking about becoming a member of this church, becoming a part of a team so that you can help others and others can help you win in life's battles. And so whether you're here as an individual or whether you're here as a family, I want to encourage you to come. Step to the aisle, make your way forward. Just say to a counselor, I want to join this church or we want to join this church. And see, their coming is going to encourage those of you who want to trust in Jesus as your Savior. You'll see them coming. You'll say, well, I need to make that decision. I'll trust in Jesus today. And there are others who need simply to come to this altar and pray and say, dear Lord, you know the battle in my life. You know where it's being fought. And today, Lord, you've shown me how to win. And I want to agree with you. I want to say yes to you. This is your invitation to say yes to God. Would you stand, please? Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Father in heaven, I pray trusting, believing right now that this morning there will be many who will step out and say yes to you, trust in you, receive you by faith as Savior and Lord, others to come and join this church, others to answer a call of God upon their life, others to come and kneel and pray. Oh, dear God in heaven, this invitation time we dedicate to you. Get glory unto yourself, I pray in Jesus' name.